Good morning, everybody. Hey, what a pleasure being here this morning. It's a lot warmer here than by us. And I said dress warm, and I did. And um, I creased my shirt by putting on a jersey. So if I look a bit ragged, I not only packed my own bag, but because I was lied to about the weather. Um, yeah, it's good to be here. Um, I don't know everybody, but whoever doesn't know me, you're lucky. You're blessed. Keep it that way. Go on. Only joking. Gary, good to see you. Vic, nice to see some old faces. I mean, I was here in, I left in 2010. Um, those people actually sitting on my seats. Okay? But you can have them. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into the message. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of history first and then go into where I want to go. God has really been stirring my heart um, for the last while about the fact we need to be the church and we need to take stock of our lives so we are able to be what God calls us to be. So in 587 BC, that was when James was still a young man. Um, Where's James? He's in the house. 587 before Christ, long, long time ago, the Babylonians invade Israel under their leader, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was known for whichever country he, con he, he conquered, he would take an idol of their god. Back then, everyone served an idol. It was wood, it was stone, it was ever. The Israelites were the only people who were like a little bit weird and had this invisible god back then. So they conquer um, Israel, they plunder the temple. Nebuchadnezzar goes in, or his people go in, looking for the idol of God, tear the temple apart and can't find God because he is not home. Okay. The Persians then conquer the Babylonians and under their leader, Cyrus, he tells the the Israelites, you can return to Jerusalem and you can rebuild the temple of your God, but it wasn't on such a grand scale as the original one. So they rebuild the temple, they start worshipping in Jerusalem at the temple again, and in 63 BC, the Romans invade Israel. And Pompey had heard a lot about this God of the Israelites, and he was determined to see this God. So when they conquer Jerusalem and he rushes into the temple and to much consternation, he pulls back the curtain of the Holy of Holies. He wants to see this God and it's empty. God wasn't home again. Now why is it that Nebuchadnezzar and Pompey couldn't find God in the temple where God is supposed to reside? Because God does not live in a building. God lives in the hearts of man, and he is in you. And wherever you go, when you, go, when you leave here today, you're not going to deposit God at the door. He goes with you, goes home with you, goes to work with you, goes to school with you. And if he's with you, you're supposed to be showing the world what is in you. And this is the problem we got. We're not doing that. We're not living life. We're not being effective as believers. We are not being the church. we got the Baptist church and Bikers church and Enge church and Hope church and Act church and Grace church, but not many churches are doing what they're called to do, and that is to be the church. 
It's time we do away with our names and we start taking up our mantle, which is to be Jesus unto other people because we got God in us. We, without excuse, everything we need needs to turn us towards people's hearts so they can be one to cast one heart at a time and we can be the church of Jesus Christ where we can live life and not have life live us according to what life demands and we live according to what heaven asks is that too much to ask of a believer okay you just walked into that one, you suckers. So why aren't you doing it then? Why aren't you being the church? What is restricting you? You see, God has been talking to me about taking stock in my life and having people I come into contact with encourage them to take, take stock of their life. And I shared a very similar message in Cape Town. And I shared a similar message at the Faith Rally. And guess what? This morning, you're going to get a similar message because I want to know who is in your room. And it's not your bedroom I'm talking about, although the picture will, will show a bedroom because that's where most of life gets lived. Okay? So, if we're honest and we take stock, and we determine that our life is a room, it is actually the temple of God, not only a room, then let's take stock of what is in our room. Because what is in there, or who is in there, determines how effectively you are able to be the church. You get where I'm going? Some of you will catch up later. We know you got things, you got all the smog and stuff that makes you mull and a bit slow, but we love you. Okay? I've been breathing the fresh air of the gardenhood for close on nine years now. I'm redeemed. I've been saved down there. I've been everything. So, okay. So your life is a room. Let's get to the Bible. Jesus is doing what Jesus does. He's being the church. And he's traveling from place to place. And wherever he encounters people, he deposits the love of Christ in their life, sometimes by teaching, sometimes by just being. And he's on his way to, um, to cross the, um, the Sea of Galilee once again, which was about 13 kilometers wide. You don't just like grow that in a few minutes. It takes effort. You see, life is effort. And being the church takes effort sometimes. And in Mark 5, from 21 to 43, we pick up the story. When Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now aren't we all dying? Aren't we all dying on the inside? Aren't we all at that place in our life if we don't have Jesus touch our life, if we haven't felt the healing hand of Jesus on our life, death is our destiny, irrespective of if we're in Christ or not. Death is our destiny, but for those who are in Christ, there's life beyond the grave. We sing it, but we don't believe it, and we're not living it out. We're all busy dying, and we all need to plead with Jesus and ask him, lay your hands on me, touch my life. Have you felt the hands of the healer on you? Do you have this Jesus in your heart that we all talk about? 
It's easy to say it. But you see, we see it in your actions. We see the way you live life, if you have actually got Jesus within you or not, or even how much of Jesus you got in you. Believe me, the Holy Spirit wants to occupy all of you, but you're reserving some space for a few things or a few people that don't actually belong in your life. So he hasn't got all of you. He's got some of you because you've been holding back. So Jesus gets this request, my daughter is dying. And Jesus does what Jesus always responds when people reaches out to them. He goes with that person. doesn't matter what you go to Jesus with. He's going to answer you. He's going to come to you, and he's going to be there for you because that is who Jesus is, and that's what he asks of us as believers. So while he's on his way there, between these crowds of people, a woman reaches out and touches the hem of his robe, and he feels the power go out of him, and he actually stops and says, Who did that? Show your face now. And you... This is actually called the miracle on the way to a miracle. And we, we, we sort of get this picture, Jesus lost his power in that moment. Would he have power for what was to come? And Jesus doesn't need a gas station along the way of life. He's always powered up because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't need an excuse to say, I don't feel like it, I can't do it, I'm not feeling it, I don't have the 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 flies, the, the chicken skin, um, you know, uh, uh, uh. Ah, come on, people. You don't need to feel something to be Jesus to other people. You do what comes naturally to you. You are superly, supernaturally natural. But we all want feelings and I'm not, I must be led. Oh, man, I want to. Oh, okay, I'm a pastor. I can't say what I want to say now. What do you want to be led to? You were led to the cross, live life beyond it now, your leading is finished, now you take authority and you go and you be Jesus to other people because they need what you have already got. They're so greedy, you're holding on to it. The power you're going to share will be refilled. You're not going to lose out. Just give away what you got and you'll get more and more and more. So while in verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people come to the house come from the house of Jarius, the synagogue leader. And they very diplomatically and very lovingly, and in the most gentle of ways, say, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? I don't know if I want to hear about losing a family member quite like that. Overhearing what Jesus had said. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Now, how many things in our life are dead or dying? Well, how many things do we have in our life that are busy killing us, suffocating us, dragging everything from within us that is supposed to be giving us life? It's like we're leaking Jesus as we live life because we're not sealed with the blood of Christ. We haven't given it all. We've give, given partly and we've left a tap of life open so that can dip into us and fill us with that stuff instead of with his stuff. You see, Jesus wants to tell you today, bother the teacher, bother him. 
He knows your issues. He knows what's in you. He knows what's happening to you. But if you don't bother him with those things, you can't do anything with it or about it. We've got to bring these things to Jesus. But we think we're so special. It's not good enough for Jesus. It's, he's not able to conquer. Jesus is so busy with other people. He doesn't have time for little old me. What well, he had time for little old me. And he's got time for you. He's always got time for the people who he loves. And he loves all people. You just need to simply believe. And in the believing, in that obedience, there'll be blessing. Because that's how Jesus operates. Our theme for the year is courage. 1 Chronicles 28, 20. You know this by now. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Thanks for the three people doing that work. You see, that's being the church. Be strong and courageous and be the church. And then it goes on. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. Because you are the temple of God. You are the church. God isn't in the building. He's in you. He will not fail you or forsake you until the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. They were talking about a physical temple. We were talking about a spiritual temple. God will not leave you, will not forsake you until the work of the service of the temple, who is you, is finished. That is why you need to bother the teacher. That is why you constantly need to go to God with the things of life that affect you, that impact you, that have got a hold on you. Bother the teacher. Your obedience will bring the blessing of freedom in your life so you can be the church unto other people. Who you are and what you're doing will never ever affect who he is and what he's able to do. You just got to go to him because he's life. Jesus is life. And the fullness of life is only found in him. In verse 37, he did not let anyone follow except Peter, James, and John, the brother, uh, and, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the hand, the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went into them and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. At least these people were crying. And we need to learn to cry out the condition of our lives. Because there's a lot dead in it. We need to learn to cry out the condition of the lives of our children, our loved ones, our family and our friends. Because there's death in them. We need to learn to cry and fall at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, come to my house because this one is dead and you can make them alive. We need to realize that some people that we think are beyond salvation are only asleep. And if we are, 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 are faithful and we constantly seek the face of Jesus, he will come in and he will wake them up. And he's going to use people who are being the church to do that. But if we're not being the church, we're going to miss those people and miss so many other people. We're so busy building buildings and not building the kingdom of God. We're so interested in what happens here instead of being interested in what we are doing out there as the church of the living God. Now get this. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, 
which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And all you manly men this morning, I'm going to call you a little girl. Are you okay with that? Because you need to get up. You need to let Jesus take your hand and tell you, little girl, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. Well, that's obvious. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. You know what I love about this portion of scripture? The part that says, and Jesus put some of them out. He looked around at those who were in the room, those who could contribute to the process, and he kept them. And the ones who were just in the way, he told them, get out. He put them out. Can you believe the indignation some of them must found? But I am the auntie. I can see Omar. I'm the friend. I'm this. I'm that. Jesus says, I don't care. You're in the way. Get out. And we need to look at those who are in our way. And we need to put them out. You see, some people are just negative. Some people are just causing confusion. Some people are just speaking death instead of speaking life. We need to clean them out of our room of our life. Some people are just wasting your time. Some people have got no vision. Some people have got no Jesus in them. You need to put them out of the room of your life because they do not belong in the process that Jesus wants to do in you. They are restricting you. They are holding you back. Who is in your room that doesn't belong there? And what are you going to do about it? And sometimes it's not people, sometimes it's things, sometimes it's, it's, it's habits or hobbies, things that steal our time. Those are the things in our room we need to put out. Jesus wasn't afraid, but we are so scared. Oh, I'm going to offend someone, and I'm a Christian. I can't do this, I can't do that. It was my altijd mooi, mooi wees, and smart wees met mense, and sachies met hulle werk. Man, you need to get your room clean so Jesus can use you and these people are in your room and in the way they're confusing you. They don't belong there. They're not part of the process. They are bringing death and speaking death where Jesus wants to say, rise up and live. But who's in your room? Sometimes it's people close to us, family members. You say, look, I'm going to get to you one day, but right now, here's in my butt. Sometimes it's club members or best friends. And you need to walk away from some things and some people because they are not good for you. Don't be scared of offending them. They'll get over that eventually. And if they don't, oh, you'll get over them. And this doesn't sound very Christian-like. But you see, we can't touch them until we've been touched. We can't make space for them until we've cleared the space for Jesus Christ in our life, in the fullness of who he is, through the power of the Holy Spirit, so we live in his presence and we are able to be the church for them and for others. And do you think it's going to be easy? <laughs> do you think the devil's just going to give up and say, Oh, it's all look No. 
going to pursue you. And if it's sin that's in your room, or a hobby, or family, or friends, it's going to be difficult. They're not going to want you to go. They're not going to be one to be put out. Just think about this. I'll come back to that now. Imagine the people who are on the other side of the door. You know, you always get those skinner back who want to know everything in everyone else's life. Huh? Now, some of them would have been on the side of the doors. I might have put out, but I'm going to know what's happening on the inside. Imagine their response when they heard the pitter-patter of 12-year-old feet and the rejoicing of a mom and a dad when they realized she was only asleep and now she's alive. The world said she's dead and Jesus says, get up, Talita, come. Imagine how they felt. Imagine how people are going to feel when you come to Jesus and they hear the pitter-patter of your feet across the soles of, of across his soul and across the, the, the platform of heaven and they know you've come to Christ and you've heard the call to Litakum and you've risen up and you are alive. Because some of you need to bring joy to other people by giving your life to Christ. Back to our story. So are these things going to leave you? No, they're going to pursue you. After National Rally this year, we, we tend to always like have a trip when we go away and um, after National. So we'll, we'll either go somewhere and come here or come here and then go somewhere. And this year we plan to go through Lesotho and um, to some, do some of those Ben 10 routes. So you know, enjoy the dual purpose thing. And, but the morning we left here, the Monday morning, man, it began to rain. And then it began to sose. And then I was wet in places. I don't need to be wet when you're on a bike. And we were going to sleep over on a guest farm in Fixburg. And um, we eventually made, in fact, we got to the town. We looked at this mud bath of a dirt road all the way up there. And I said, I don't care. I'm going through it because I'm cold and I need coffee. And I want a warm bed. So we motored through this mud and made it to the top, to the farm. They actually said they'll send a car down to pick us up and we can leave our bikes there. I ain't leaving my bike next to the road, I'm sorry. <laughs> my baby goes with me. So we made it there and it rained so heavily, we realized all, all the routes we were going to, to ride were all dirt roads. And if that was an example of it, we'll never make it fully loaded with the love of our lives on the back. Um, so we decided, okay, we'll stay an extra night on the farm, and this was like a game farm. They, they raised lions and ahina and um, wild dogs, and so it was, it was pleasant being there. And the couple we were with were actually, man, they needed Jesus. And we only realized that, how much, the morning we left when we prayed for them, and they broke into tears, and we still got contact with them because they had an encounter with Christ. So anyway, we stayed there one day, one night, and stayed another night, and we had to stay a third night, and eventually when it stopped raining, we just got on our bikes and we rode home. But where we stayed, this house had these evil little Australian birds called emus around the house, okay? and you know, those things. And the first day, they were okay. You come into the... Cause 
we were far away from the main house and we had to walk quite away and open a gate and go through and you open the gate and they sort of just look at you and they move away and they make these really weird noises which sounds like they're beating the drums of hell. Um, and I must admit I was cautious when I was around them because if that thing is anything like most Australians, I'm going to run. Okay? Um, if you're from Australia, we love you. <laughs> Sorry. So I went up to the house because um, I've got a few things I love in life, and one of them is Mexican chili chips, and the lady was going with a 4x4 into town, so I asked, please buy me chips. I need spice in my life. So um, I was going up to fetch the chips, and I came down, and as I opened the gate, the bird was standing there. And you know when you get that feeling? And I looked at the bird, and the bird looked at me, and I just got this like, oh, no. And then it tilted its head like this. And I could see this animal had become demonized. And I don't know, I just knew it's going to chase me. And I'm not as fast as at 51 as what I was at 21, but you would never have said so. Okay? I just, yes, I pocked that his eight, but I actually slipped on a pull away, and this bird is off my haka. And I don't know if it can bite, if it can kick, but I wasn't going to ask it or stop to find out. And I'm running, I'm motoring around the house, but it's muddy and it's wet and my feet are slipping and I need the safety of the patio and the safety of my wife and Gil and Arnel who are with us on the trip. And I come around this corner and this bird is getting close because that thing is baie vanag. And ek nie so vanag nie. Yes, it was, I could actually hear those paws behind me. Goof, goof, goof. And I come around the corner needing help. I'm frantic, I'm panicking, I'm screaming like a little girl. And I come around the corner for help and I hear these peals of laughter. They are bent over laughing at me. I got absolutely no help from them. I made it to the safety of the patch and the bird stopped dead, looked at me, turned around and walked off. I had to go back later, but this time I took my helmet with me. And I thought, promise you, I thought, as jy beweeg, gaan ek jou neek vandag. I don't know what you cost to replace you, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> but like that bird chased me, these things, these people in your room will pursue you. And you need to be strong. Because it's amazing. You come to church and you hear this good word and you're inspired and you're motivated. You're emotionally charged. But it helps nothing if you don't do something about it out there. If you don't take action based on this message, it's just been an hour of your life you've wasted. You see, the application of the Word of God brings the motivation to become more Christ-like in all aspects of our life. We've got to apply what we hear, what we've been taught, 
what the Holy Spirit is imparting to us. And as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit has been imparting to you about people, about things that you need to put out of your room. But I'm warning you, they're going to pursue you. It says in, I've just put off my tablet somehow, there we go. It says in this scripture, in this part of the Bible, 1 Peter 5, 8 to 11, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. In the message it says, keep a cool head, stay alert. There's emus around. <laughs> the devil, the emu, is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. We've got to be alert. We've got to be sober-minded. We've got to know that this is not going to be easy. We've got too many pastors saying, do this, and woo, it's a lack of us, and a licht for you. This is a tough walk. That's why it takes men and women filled with the power of the Holy Spirit who've got the courage to stand and to stand firm in the onslaught that the devil brings against us. You've got to clean your room. It's going to take guts. You've got to clean your room. It's going to take perseverance. You've got to clean your room. It's going to take the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the only one who can help you with it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you as Midrand Bikers Church. If you're a visitor, come back next week. Ramon is way better than I am. Okay? I'm looking forward to the day when I see Midrand Bikers Church full to overflowing because the people who are part of this body who is the church? You have been the church out there and have filled the kingdom of heaven and some of them have spilled over into this body. You see, we're not about building churches. We're about building the kingdom of God. But we've got to be the church. And in order to be the church, we've got to get, take stock of what is in our life and who's taking up the space that belongs to Jesus. Who's in our room that doesn't belong? What are you going to do about those people, about those things? Because we're going to pay now. And you're going to make a decision. And that's the easy part. The difficult part is to see the decision through. As the praise and worship team comes back, I'd like us to bow our heads. Lord, we come before you this morning and we acknowledge how desperately we need you. And we thank you, Lord, that you've stirred our hearts this morning and you've reminded us of those areas of our life that are still not given over to you. You've brought a revelation about of the things in our life, the people in our life that are not good for us where we are at the moment. And I pray that now, Holy Spirit, you would give everyone the ability and the stability that they need to take action. We know, Lord, that you give us the grace, but we've got to do the work. And I pray now that as you leave here this morning, you, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, will do the work of cleaning your room. You would do the work, clean your room, make it spotless for the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Oh, Father, come and encourage us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us, that you enable us, that you consume us, and you show us how to do the cleansing that needs to be done in our lives. You cleanse the heart, Father, but we need to cleanse our life. 
And we give you, all of us this morning, by saying, Lord, we are for you because you've always been here for us. Despite who we are, you loved us. And despite who we are, you want to clean us. May you be blessed as the church of the Most High God, as you allow him to work in you and you allow him to clean you so you can be the church to others as someone was once to you. We pray this in Jesus' name, ending. Amen.